Rich, welcome to 2021. And can I just say a very bold and refreshing lineup for the 2021 team? Yeah, no, we're looking forward to it. You know, it's still um, very difficult conditions out there for everyone in in Europe and the wider world, really. But you know, we've been working really hard, and we've managed to put together a, what we feel is a really exciting and young t- um, team. Um, and we're hoping to get to Monte Carlo next week and start that challenge on WRC. A really nice big step for Gus and Elliot, obviously, in in, uh, in Rally One, of course, and uh, and the World Championship. They're going to be doing a full program this year. Yeah, so you know, Gus has been with us now for three or four years in in R5 cars and WRC. So it was now really the right. Uh, we felt it was the right time to to give him the opportunity to do a full season. Um, it'll be a challenge for sure. You know, there's a lot of events he hasn't been to, but there's a lot of events he has got experience on now, and, and we feel we've seen some really promising stage times and split times and you know he knows it's a challenge for him and he has to string together the, the positives and, and the, the good performances to make full events uh, and that will be uh, hard but you know it's going to be uh, exciting to see and you know I think having that um, stability of a full championship allows you to prepare the best because you know you're always going to be in the car a lot and that's always the key to, to developing and getting stronger so we're looking forward to working with him on that. I think also as well, it follows on Malcolm's and M Sports views about, uh, uh, if you like, enhancing the careers of young rally drivers. I think about, obviously, about Elvin Evans, obviously about Oit Tannock, who've obviously come through M Sport uh, during their careers as well as young drivers. Yeah, you know, it's worked for us before, um, and and it takes a bit of time to to get these these guys up to speed and up to the level to compete at the very top, but, you know, you have to have some patience with that, and in some ways the challenges of what we've faced with, with COVID and everything has allowed us to to put that opportunity to them now in a season, uh, you know, a full season to go ahead in the, the last year of these WRC cars would be a perfect opportunity for them to get the mileage and the extra time in the car and then hopefully they can, you know, put themselves in the best position for going forward with 2022. And also, Adrian Formal is obviously moving forward with uh, the WRC2 programme, but uh, Likewise, he's going to get an opportunity to actually take some of that uh, career expertise into uh, Rally One and uh, the WRC Championship. Yeah, I think, you know, we, we put Adrian in WRC car last year in a small event in San Marino, and he did really well. You know, he won the event, um, first time in a car. Uh, so that was quite interesting to watch. And, you know, we felt he did some really strong performances in the, in the Rally Two car at the end of last year. Uh, we want to start him in Rally 2 again this season um, and, and an aim to do very well within the WRC2 Championship. But at the same time, you know, we feel, it's, again, it's a good opportunity for him to, to have a go behind the wheel of the Rally 1 car for, for probably five or six events this season. You know, see if he's uh, capable of preparing for maybe a seat in 2022. That would be his goal. And we'd like to see, you know, how he performs. Now, he's going to be splitting that between that and obviously sharing a car with Timu uh, Sunderland uh, in, in Rally 1 as well. I mean, how many events in, in WRC2 would he do with the whole program? But he was still actually doing other uh, other events as well in, in WRC1, yeah? Yeah, so we haven't decided the exact calendar over the course of the season yet. I think we need to wait a little bit and, and understand uh, the events that are going to happen as they propose, which we hope they will. Um, but, you know, our, our initial thought is to, for a campaign in WRC2 in the Rally 2 car, and then the remaining events will likely be in the Rally 1 car. But, you know, we're, we're, to be honest, we're, we're concentrating on Monte Carlo at the moment, and there will be a split between Timo and, and Adrian in that second Rally 1 car. So we're, 
will take a little bit more time to get the exact split of events we want to do. Um, and we need to understand from the drivers, you know, which ones they think they'd be more competitive and feel better on. And, and at the same time, look to see, you know, we don't want to be swapping between Rally 2, Rally 1, Rally 2, Rally 1 all the time because that's quite hard as a driver to do. So I think we just need to we'll spend a bit more time after Monte Carlo deciding on, on how we pan out the rest of that season. WRC2, do they, is, that, is that every round of the championship, as, as wouldn't be normal, is WRC2 there for every round, or is, is there an opportunity to put Adrian into the car when he's not actually doing WRC2? Yeah, exactly. So WRC2, we can pick any round of the season to score points on. Um, so, you know, we, we, can, we have freedom to pick and choose which events we want him to put him in, in the Rally 1 or the Rally 2 car, so that's quite helpful for us. Uh, and like I say, you know, I think we'll spend a little time after Monte Carlo just uh, having a sit down with him and discussing with him on what he feels most confident with and put together a program based around that. So, uh, you know, we'll get Monte out of the way and then we'll look at the rest of the season. I think is the best way to put it. <laughs> Sopeka obviously moved on and uh, clearly uh, Timu was going to be uh, rallying this, uh, this season. And his co-driver has also moved on. So uh, Timo, obviously, without a co-driver, because obviously Jarmo was with him for about 18 months, wasn't he? Yeah, so, so Jarmo's, um, you know, he's the first to admit he's not the youngest anymore. He had a, another good nearly two years in the car with, with Timo, and I think he helped a lot in Timo developing as a driver and as a person, which we're all really grateful for. Uh, but, you know, he had he's been offered a another job away from the co-driving seat still within rallying um, and I'm sure we'll see him, we'll see him on events um, but it's uh, unfortunately he won't be in the car so at the moment we're just finalising who's going to sit with Timu uh, but yeah it's been great to work with Yarmo again and bring his experience and, and um, you know his skills to Timu and I think that's really developed him as a driver Obviously uh, the experience that um, Yarmo had obviously uh, had a, a bearing on obviously Timo's progression over the last uh, sort of couple of seasons anyway. Yeah, I think, um, you know, as soon as we put him in there, you know, Timo actually got his first podium in Sardinia and uh, third overall. So, uh, you know, it showed straight away and, and I think it's helped Timo to understand where he wasn't maybe strong, as strong mentally and, and um, experience-wise on a, on a few situations. And, you know, whoever goes in to replace him, I think what, it, what he's learnt with Yarmo will be carried on within Timu now so you know that's really promising for us and it's another one of these steps that driver needs to go through in order to to build themselves into a, a better and overall rounded sports person. Now as far as this year is concerned I mean first and foremost we understand that uh, Monte, Monte Carlo are going to make a decision today Thursday um, do we know whether Monte is going to go ahead or do we have have you any news on that at all? Uh, yeah, I mean, I mean, I'm in constant contact with uh, the promoter and, and WRC, and uh, they're working hard to make sure it can go ahead. Um, they all wanted to go ahead, I believe. You know, quite a lot of the French governments and local governments are are still keen to run the event. And you know, I can't comment on on anything to do with that. You know, at the end of the day, if we, if the event is running, then it's running because the governments and the, the people in charge of that country feel that it's safe to do so. Um, so in which case we will we will come. You know, there's very good um, safety measures in place for elite sport all over the world now. Um, and rallying is no different. You know, all the all the events last year, we had the test with COVID, for COVID before we left the country when we arrived and also on some of them on departure. So 
you know, in terms of um, actually being safe as a sport, we can do that. But obviously, we need to to wait for the the official okay from the from the event, and you know that's really down to the WRC and the FIA. Um, but there is a whole appendix of regulations to ensure the sport can be taken can take place in a safe environment. So, you know, we have to have, leave our trust in them to make sure that they'll pr- provide a safe event. And as long as that can happen, then then we'll be there because we really want to compete. And I think sport is is something that's helped a lot of people in these difficult times. You know, they, they're able to relax and and watch something that they really want to see on television. And you know, we're entertaining uh, people that are unfortunately being instructed to kind of be under restrictions in various countries so we'll do everything we can to be there but the underlying fact is that the situation needs to be safe and uh, I think uh, that's what the governing bodies are there for. And what about Sweden because we understand Sweden has been cancelled is that the case? Yes yeah, so Sweden was cancelled a few weeks ago you know again I think it shows that the regulations are, are correct in the fact that you know, the event knew what it had to adhere to to be able to run safely, and they came around and said that we're not, they weren't able to, mat- to meet the, the demands of the requirements, and the fact that they wouldn't be allowed spectators, it would be a non-spectator event, was difficult for them on a business sense because they rely on ticket sales to, to run that event, so they made the sensible decision to cancel. Um, you know, it's sad to see, but there is talks with other events as a replacement. Um, and I, I hope, and I'm sure everyone hopes, that if we can get through January, February, March, uh, hopefully, you know, things start to get better for everybody with vaccines being rolled out across Europe. And, and um, but the, the next event after Sweden anyway was the end of April in Croatia. So there was a gap built into the calendar exactly for this reason, to try and have uh, any side effects of COVID kind of at a minimum. And uh, hopefully by end of April we'll be able to start the calendar properly and, and have a lot of events in a short space of time, which would be great. Um, but we've just got to see what happens. You know, I think the current situation is is really difficult to predict. And, you know, we'll keep going and do what we can, but you know, we can only do it if it's a safe environment to do so. Have you got a full complement of team uh, working in the workshops at, uh, at Dovenby Hall at the moment? I mean, has that... Uh has that, have you sort of got a team, a full team back on the bill in the, in, in, on site, so to speak, yeah? Uh, yeah, I mean, we've got a, a good number of, um, of personnel working here to, to make sure we're ready for the event. Uh, obviously, UK has its own restrictions on working environments, and we're adhering to all of that. Um, and it's, you know, there's quite a lot to adhere to in terms of ensuring there's a correct social distancing and all the measures we have to put in place. But we're managing to get by at the moment. Um, it is quite difficult. You know, this second situation in the UK in is, is obviously worse than the first one. But, uh, you know, we're doing all we can to do what we can in, in the current times and conditions we've got. And everything's a bit of a challenge. But, you know, we'll just keep going as best we can. And, and hopefully we'll be, uh, we'll be at that start line in a couple of weeks. Absolutely right. Uh, what about the car itself? I, I got the impression that maybe you changed the livery slightly on the on the uh, the rally the the rally one car. Yeah, we made a couple of subtle tweaks. I mean, I think you have to be a real avid fan to probably see them. Um, but the main reason to keep as we were was the fact that actually um, we all think that livery looks really good on the car. Um, and with so few events last season, we didn't really get a chance to see it in many conditions. So we've opted to try and keep it for the final season of this car before we obviously switch to the new 2022 cars. So I think it will look great on the stages it has done uh, on the few events we've had this year. And those few little tweaks will just give it a little bit of edge uh, over, over what we had in 2020. 
a little bit of credit goes to the guy who designs the, the, the cars themselves, whose name is what? Uh, Phil Dixon. So he is, um, he's another guy that's been in sport for a long time. Um, he, uh, he started as in the goods in department, and I remember going down to see him, and he had a, a painting on the wall of a, of a Fiesta rally car, and I asked him where he got it from because I thought it was quite, looked quite good and quite cool, and he, he told me he did it, which I couldn't quite believe. And then when I started understanding a little bit more, he, we understood he had a, a degree in, in basically design and, um, you know, car design. Um, and so we gave him opportunity to do a few liveries, and he's gone from there, and now he's our go-to man for everything. So uh, he's incredibly talented at that, and... Uh, it's great to see another person within M Sport, you know, start in one position and work their way up to somewhere else. So, yeah, he he creates some nice masterpieces. I'm going to say he's uh, he's won a few awards for his uh, designs on the cars as well, hasn't he? Yeah, there's been a few WRC awards and uh, things like that. So, you know, um, it's great to see him doing so well and and you know having another person who enjoys and is passionate about rally and and being able to put their thoughts and ideas into the car is really nice to see and you know I don't really give him any guidelines just say you know what Phil you do what you think's best because it usually comes out alright on the other side and then <laughs> we just tweak the, the bits that need done for sponsor purposes and the rest of it's down to him so you know he can he can have the credit for all of that one So you've got him tied to the desk and, uh, and his laptop is that right? Uh, not all the time I do tend to play golf with him quite a bit but he tends to beat me quite a bit as well so uh just keep him, keep him tight to the desk when we need to. Fantastic stuff. Can I wish you, obviously, all the very best for 2021? I know it's a difficult start to the year, and we don't know where we're going with the year, but obviously one hopes that in the next couple of months things will sort of start to ease up and maybe uh, we'll gradually see the back end of this pandemic. But in the meantime, can I wish you all the very best for 2021? And uh, let's bring home some uh, silverware. And, and more importantly than anything, I think it's possibly give Gus, Adrienne and obviously Timo the chance to, to prove themselves once and for all as being uh, amongst the best in the world as it were in rallying. Yeah well thank you for that and uh, yeah I hope we can we can still get some good results and some strong results and a strong season so thanks for, thanks for your time again and yeah we hope we can catch up with you again soon. Fantastic stuff. That was lovely thank you for your time sir. I know you're very busy but thanks for talking to me today.